Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. If you'd open your Bibles, please, to Psalm 63. Tonight I want to talk to you about remembering the Lord. We're going to start with verse 1. O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Once you notice here that the psalmist has made a decision to seek the Lord in a time of feeling very weary and very dry, has made a determination that to solve his dilemma where he's at is the time to go seek the Lord. And then he says, then he says here, I, because your loving kindness is better than life. Loving kindness is a covenant word. That speaks of the, of the relationship that we have with God. God treats us with loving kindness because we have a covenant with him through Jesus Christ. And loving kindness is how God has chosen to respond to us. Aren't you glad that God has not reserved you for his wrath? But instead, we are children of grace. And so, it says, your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. See, he is determined to seek the Lord and to remind himself about the Lord's goodness and presence. Remind himself of the covenant that he has with Almighty God. Do you know that if you and I are in a dry and weird place, if you'll take some time and determine to seek the Lord and begin to think about the goodness of God towards you with the covenant you have with Jesus Christ, it, you can't help but enter into a place of, i got to bless the Lord. I got to thank the Lord when I begin to think about what God is doing in my life and what he has done for me. Verse five, my soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. This means um, cream, richness, abundance, goodness. It's like saying I am full and rich. I feel like I have just been fed rich, fine things from the Lord in my soul. It's like I've had a yummy full plate. And this is what he says. My mouth offers praise with joyful lips. You know what? When we had determined that we're going to have an encounter with God and remember his goodness to us, you enter into that place of you experience his goodness. You know you're going to, and you come away feeling rich and satisfied. You know, folks, that's why we've got to understand when you and I are going through hard times, challenging times, don't forget he is your solution. He's your answer. You need to feel better. You got to get in God's presence because to get in his presence is going to be a place of a richness of abundance and goodness. Then he says, verse six, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches for you have been my help in the shadow of your wings. I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. When I remember you. You know, folks, when I remember you. You know that there were times when, when God took the children of Israel out into the wilderness, when he delivered them from Egypt. You know, he instituted a lot of festivals, holidays, and events for them. And he was like the festival of booze or the Passover, all these different things that the Lord set up. And he told them, you will observe this at this particular time of year. In addition to these festivals that are held every year, he says also once a week, you're going to have one day that is going to be set aside. It's not like the rest of the world. You know, nobody else in the world observes the Sabbath except for Christians and Jews. Everybody else just works seven days a week. But God said, you're going to take a day off. And the whole purpose of taking the day off and the purpose of having these festivals was to remember the Lord. Because you know what, folks? It is real easy to get into the routine of daily living, isn't it? How many of y'all feel like we just got through with Easter again? And then you turn around. Here it comes. Here's Christmas one more time. And sometimes, folks, we've gotten a little bit, you know, annoyed with these festivals or holy days holidays because they interfere with our getting our work done interfere with our life but you know what god intends 
for us to set aside days to remember him, to think about him, to remember the covenant we have with him. Because, see, God doesn't want you to live your life outside of him. Most people live their lives and they don't give God two, two thoughts all week long. You know, a lot of Christians don't think about God until they get in trouble, you know. But God wants us to deliberately set a time to remember him. And that's why the scripture also tells us that we need to exhort and encourage one another, provoke one another to love and good works, remember and teach one another and admonish one another. Remember the Lord. Many, many years ago, when I was a teenager, y'all know it was many years ago, I was, um, I was, a bunch of us had gotten real excited about the things of God and we were going to this uh, fellowship, youth group and type of thing and and, you know, then it was in the summertime and I got busy with my job and I got busy with life and everything. And my heart for the Lord began to, you know, get cold. It began to die down a little bit. And one day I was at work and I was walking by and the, the, the guy, um, he was a guy who worked there. He was, his wife was my boss. Mm-hmm. Well, I, he looked at me. I was walking by. He stopped and he looked at me and he says, Donna, don't you forget He's number one, like an arrow to my heart. You see, he's prophetic. He knew what I needed to hear. That's all he said to me. No sermon, Donna, don't you forget, he's number one. I'm telling you, it convicted me in my heart because at that point, the Lord had moved from being first place in my life. The Lord wants us to remember him on purpose, to remember him. The psalmist says here, when I remember you, when I meditate, he says, you know what? Because you've been my help. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. When we remember the Lord, we don't just remember the Bible stories, but we remember where God has taken us, where he's brought us through, what he's delivered us from. We begin to remember our own history with God. You know what? God doesn't have grandchildren. He's only got his own kids. You know what? And our testimony, we need to have our personal testimony with the Lord. That's great what he did for David. That's great what he did for Joshua. But I need to know what God did for me. And you need to know what God's done for you. Those are the things that when you meditate upon your bed, when you're laying there and you begin to think about God, you begin to go over and remember, you did this for me. I remember that time. I was scared and you comforted me. I remember that time I didn't have any money and you provided for me. I remember that time I was confused and you brought me peace. I remember that time, you know, when I was desperate, you brought me to somebody's house in their church and they prophesied life to me, you know. I mean, there are all kinds of things. I was telling someone the other day, I said, I got to thinking about how much thought the Lord has put into providing for our needs. And, you know, a year before last, I guess it was a couple years ago, Laura had offered to design my flower garden out here. And so when she and I were talking about, she talked about the different types of plants and all that she wanted to put in there. And one of the things she said to me was, "Um, how about we put a jasmine right by your door? And I said, that'd be great. So Scott put the treadles up there, and so we got the jasmine by the door. You know, for the past few weeks, every time I walk in and out of my house, I smell that fragrance. Y'all smell it too. In and out of my house. And you know what? There's nothing but pure joy to me. It serves no purpose except making me really happy. <laughs> you know? And I got to thinking about it. Do you know the Lord does stuff like that? Why would God, number one, put that kind of fragrance on that kind of a vine? Number two, put it on Laura's heart to put that right by my front door where... Why? Because God loves me so much, He wants to send me that little reminder by getting me that whiff of fragrance every time I walk by. That, that may sound really silly, but when you begin to think about God's loving kindness, there are the little things God knows that will thrill your heart that He will do for you. I was sitting in here the other day, and I've had, as I said last week, I've had a lot of challenges this past, this past month, and so I've taken a lot of time to putting very peaceful music on the stereo, sit here and just kind of rest and meditate and and determine to on purpose walk in peace and serenity. And so I was listening to this CD that Susan uh, had given me a year or two ago. And as I was sitting there, the CD was one that is um, a bunch of Christian musicians decided to get together 
and just play some worship soaking type of music. That's what they got for nobody's name on it. They didn't want anybody to take credit for it. No glory. It was just an offering to the Lord. You know, well, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's anointed and really ministers to me. And as I was listening to it the other day, I thought those those musicians felt they were offering something to the Lord. But their gift and their inspiration came from God. God put it on their heart to tape record what they were doing so I could have a copy. <laughs> Do you know? And put, it on, and put it on Susan to give me the CD because God knew that music would really minister to my soul this month in addition to other times. And I began to look at it. Do you know God is intimately and intricately involved in every aspect of your life? And there are so many things like that that I'm just firmly convinced that God did that for me. Now, that's great if you get a blessing, too. That's great. But I really feel like God knew what he was doing when he had me get the jasmine in the front yard and the CD. Because it was ministering something to me. You know, all ministry is not laying hands on you and prophesying, right? There's a lot of stuff that just nourishes and feeds your soul. This is why that I have told y'all, you've got to get out in nature from time to time. God has designed nature to nourish your soul. He designed beauty to nourish your soul. And if you just have to go walk on the beach or go out in the park or something or enjoy a bouquet of flowers, that feeds a place in the inside of you. And look how God has already known that we were going to need that place in us nourished. So look what he did. And for those of you that live here, oh my goodness, you live in a place of great beauty, don't we? And God has designed this because he knows that we need this stuff. You were not designed to live inside a concrete jungle. You know, that's why you got to get out and smell the roses and the grass and everything sometime because it does minister life to you. The psalmist says here, he says, my soul clings to you and your right hand upholds me. The psalmist knows as I remember you, I remember your loving kindness. I remember that, God, you have helped me in times past. And so, therefore, I'm going to cling to you. You know what? A lot of times people in times of trouble, they don't cling to the Lord. They cling to themselves. And what we need to do is say, you know what? He's my source. He's my life. This is where I need to dig in, plug in, and hold on to the Lord because he is my help. Remember, he's your help. Remember, he's number one, but remember, he's your help. Psalm 27, 13 says, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You're going to believe you're going to see God's goodness when you have rehearsed his past goodness, right? How many times has God shown himself to be merciful to you far more than you deserve? Over and over. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous, isn't it? If God was merciful to you those times when you were being a real jerk, why will he be merciful to you right now when you're seeking after him with all your heart? You see, I'm looking for God's goodness to show up. I'm looking for his goodness to show up in your life, in your life, in my life. I believe we're going to see the goodness of God. I've told you before, God cannot be anything but good to you. But we're not going to despair as people with no hope. We're going to remember the Lord's goodness, that he is faithful. That's who he is. This is what he does. And we're going to see his goodness in the land of the living, not the land of the dead, right? The land of the living, where people are right now. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 5. We're remembering the Lord's help. He's a very present help in time of need, the Bible says. While you're turning to Romans 5... In Romans 15, 5, it says, God gives perseverance and encouragement. I just read that this morning. I thought I'd throw it in. God gives perseverance and encouragement. There are some of us who've been facing some challenges where we've been ready to give up, been ready to be in despair, get depressed, get all that stuff. You know what? God is the one who gives perseverance and encouragement. Why? Because he knows we're going to need it sometime. Sometimes you've got to have some supernatural help from God to persevere, right? Sometimes you've got to have some encouragement that comes from the Lord. Because life is hard. Sometimes you get beat up pretty good, right? But when God, you understand that that's where it comes from. You see, that's why we've got to remember he's our help and our source to go to him. Because then you're going to get the encouragement, the perseverance, all that you need. Then you're going to get what your soul is crying out for. Hallelujah. Romans 5, verse 3. 
And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. What, is he crazy? (laughs) We exult in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. There's that perseverance again. All right? And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You see, when God's given us perseverance and encouragement and hope, the love of God is being poured out in us. When we are in that place of communion with God, we're remembering Him. We're meditating on Him. You remember His goodness, His loving kindness to you. It causes hope to begin to get stirred up in your heart again. You know, He's going to take care of me this time too. He took care of me last time. He's going to take care of me this time. And as you begin to meditate on the Word of God and, and on the love of God, the love of God begins to fill and flood your heart. And you know that you are His, his called, precious, loved one. And you begin to have confidence that God is not going to hang you out to dry. You begin to have confidence that he loves you with an everlasting love and therefore everything's going to be okay. The love of God that is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to not only us to be dispensers of that love, but recipients of that love. He wants us to be overflowing in the love of God so that we'll have the peace of God, so we'll have the joy, so we'll have that serenity. You know what? When you have, when you know and you're caught up in a very current, present awareness of God's love for you. You can't get worried. You can't get worried. You can't get, you, you can't get over into that kind of fear. Anytime that we have a fear going on in our hearts, that means we've got a love lack. There's a place in us that needs to be flooded and filled with the love of God. How are we going to get that, folks? We're going to have to get it straight from Him. We're going to stray from his word and stray from his presence. And doing what the psalmist said, remember his goodness. Remember what he has done for us in times past. And remember that he is, a, he is not a man that he can lie. And what he has promised, he's going to complete and he's going to fulfill. Isn't that right? Now, I want us to look over at Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're going to remember the Lord's goodness, his abundance. Every time that we're in a weak place, a thirsty place, a dry place. We're going to make a decision to seek the Lord, a decision to remember and to meditate on His loving kindness and His help. We're going to find the help that we need. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, let's look at verse 15. The Lord says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that what he says is, remember how bad it used to be. Remember what God brought you through. Therefore, when you remember, take a Sabbath. I like that. I like that. A time of focusing and remembering the Lord. You see, when we, when we remember everything God has delivered us from in times past, doesn't that settle it in your heart you belong to Him? When you have watched God come through to you, doesn't it do a deep work on the inside of you? God, you are my Father. Lord, you are mine. You are my God. I will seek you. It does a work of, of causing you to really have confidence in your relationship with God. So therefore, take Sabbath. You take a Sabbath because God commands it, because it's good for you. Because there needs to be time to pull back and remember the Lord's, the Lord's goodness to us. Flip over to chapter 10. Deuteronomy 10. Let's look at verse 12. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God? to walk in all his ways and love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. You know what? It is a good thing to love God, serve him with all your heart and keep his commandments. It's healthy for you. It's productive. It's beneficial, right? Right? 
But notice that the thing is, what is God looking for? God's not looking for just people who are robots, for people who are servants. God is looking for family. He's looking for sons and daughters. He's looking for somebody to love him. You know what? Everybody wants to be loved. You know where we got that from? We got that from God. Do you know that God wants to be loved for himself? He doesn't want to be loved just because he bails you out of trouble. He wants to be loved for himself. Don't you want to be loved for yourself? Sometimes I don't think we consider the heart of God. How many times do we pray, Oh God, I'm in trouble. Bail me out. Help me, help me, help me. And Is that a relationship? Oh, I can't talk to you now. I'm not hurting. I don't need anything from you today. I'll check in next month. You know what? God doesn't want to be used. He wants to be loved. And that's why we need to go back to what the psalmist said. Remember his goodness to us already. To begin to cultivate a relationship with him based upon who he is and find out more what he likes, what he doesn't like and begin to develop a real appreciation for the Lord in your life. The Lord is good. He is good. He is rich in mercy. And the things that the Lord is telling you or me to do, whether it's the scripture or the voice of his spirit, everything the Lord asks you for or tells you to do is for your own good. If the Lord asks you to give up something, understand it's because he's wanting to free your hands so he can give you something back. God doesn't ask you for something and not give back. That's how covenant works. When you are giving up a day of work to take a Sabbath, when you're remembering the Lord by setting aside time for Him, God is going to multiply back to you your efforts the other six days of the week. He's going to multiply back to you everything that you have given. We've seen this about the law of sowing and reaping. When it comes to we sow into the kingdom of God, we sow our finances, and we reap back not the same what we sowed, but we reap back an, an increase, right? A farmer doesn't plant one kernel of corn and expect to reap one kernel of corn. What's the good of that? He reaps, what, several ears with several hundred kernels of corn on there. So when we are, the Lord is asking you for anything, it's to let go of it so he can give you something else. Sometimes the Lord will do us the same way that he did Abraham. He will make a promise to you, give you the fulfillment of that promise, and then ask you to let go of it ask you to offer it back to him as a sacrifice. Isn't that what happened with Abraham and his son? He had believed God for years and years and years for a son. Finally got a son. This is it. My prophecy is coming to pass. It's all working out just like I planned. And then God says, take him, your only son, and offer him a sacrifice to me. And so he did. And you know the story? He did. He offered him. He had him bound up. He had the knife pulled. And if an angel hadn't have been there, he'd have killed him. And as far as Abraham was concerned, he was expecting to kill him. He was expecting God to raise him back up. I think Abraham might have been disappointed that he didn't kill him. Because <laughs> he didn't get to see him raised back up. Of course, it probably would have created a lot of issues between him and Isaac, you know. <laughs> That's probably the wisdom of God, right? But you know, sometimes God will give you something and ask you to give it. So why did he ask him for his son? First of all, he wanted to know that the promise was not more important than God. Sometimes when it looks like everything has come up the way it's supposed to, God will ask you to sacrifice that thing and give that back to him because he wants to know if you love it or if you love him. And sometimes it's a very hard place. There was a place in my life many, many years ago. I had finally struggled and accepted the call of God upon my life to minister. And then, after I began to learn some things, began to grow, began to discover what all that was about, my gifts and everything, then the Lord began to talk to me about laying it on the altar and dying to it. And what the Lord spoke to my heart was, if I never let you prophesy again, will you still love me? If I never let you work another miracle, will you still love me? If I never let anybody come listen to you teach, will you still love me? You know that God wants to be loved more than the things that he's doing in our lives. 
it comes back to where he must have the preeminence in all things. I have to tell you, that was a very painful series of questions the Lord asked me. And I cried a lot over it. Because I says, God, I'll be real honest with you. Might as well be honest, right? I told the Lord. I said, you are not fair. You put the desire for ministry deep inside me. And then you tell me to die to it. Sometimes God will tell you to do that. He will put a desire from, for something he wants done in your life. He will put it in you. You can feel it. It's so strong. It's so passionate within you. You feel like you will die if you don't have this thing happen. If it doesn't work. It, you come eat up with the passion that comes from Almighty God. And then he said, give it up. Let it go. It's a very painful thing to go through. But it's something that sooner or later, everybody goes through at some level in their life. At some level, there is something that God asks you to give up. Because see... We sing songs about he is Lord. Is he? You know what? We sing songs about he's the master, I'm the servant. Until he starts treating you like a servant. Until he starts treating you like a slave. Do you know that a master, that a Lord, has the right to take a slave's life? Has the right to beat you? Has the right to beat you? Has the right to supply for you or not? Has the right to boss you around, give you too much work, and not explain anything to you. You know, the scriptures were written where people understood what slavery was about. They understood that. And when we talk about, he is my Lord, that's what you're saying. You're the boss of me. You get to tell me how my life is lived. You get to tell me what I can do and what I can't do. You know, I've heard so many people, they get all excited about the gifts of God. They get all excited about serving God until it becomes inconvenient. And now all of a sudden, well, how come I always got to? I thought you were a servant. Remember you sing that song, Make Me a Servant? Some of y'all grew up with salty kids songs. We sang, Make Me a Servant. You know what? That sounds really good until he does. Until he takes your word. And then that's when you find out all about what it means for Jesus Christ to be Lord. That's when you find it out. You find out if you're in Christianity for what you get out of it. Or because you owe a debt to the Lord that must be repaid with your life. You know, there's a lot of people, they'll serve God as long as everything's going hunky-dory. As long as, you know, they're healed, they got plenty of money, and everybody likes them, and, you know, doesn't upset their schedule too much. I mean, there are a lot of people that they'll serve God when things are good. But you know what? Who was it? Was it um, Habakkuk? And he said, though the fig tree does not blossom, though there's no crops in the field, he says, yet will I bless him. We cannot be fair weather friends with the Lord. We got to be there thick and thin in it for the duration right and this means that we're not also getting bitter against God when he's doing something that we don't understand what's going on there are some times in my life I just could not figure out what the heck was going on anybody else ever been like that sure sure but I know this he is good he is faithful when it comes down to it we got to remember his loving kindness remember his help in times past and remember that God wants to be loved for himself not for what he can do for us. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Remember his help, but also remember to love him. Second Timothy 3, verse 1. But realize this, Then the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, Reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. 
You know, a lot of these things in the first couple of verses, those are things that we would not characterize as being found among Christians. We would think, well, Christians aren't boastful, arrogant, reviler, you know, ungrateful, you know, unholy, all that kind of stuff. But when you get down to the end of verse 4, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of a God, you're talking to Americans. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness. Something that on the outside seems to adhere, but they've denied its power. The Bible says to avoid people like that. You know, there's a saying, you know, friends of a feather, birds of a feather flock together. You become like the people that you hang out with. There's a place for being salt and light, and there's a place for being a witness and being an influencer out there in the marketplace, in your school, in your job, in your family. There's a place for being an influencer. We are to be salt and light. But who's being influenced? Are you doing the influencing or are you being influenced? Are you being influenced by people who do not love God? They love pleasure. They may be good old boys, good old gals, like to go out and have a good time. But their whole life is spent up in going off and having a good time. They're not interested in the deeper things of God. They're not interested about the things of the kingdom. You know, the Bible says to avoid people like that. Why? Because they're going to influence you and drag you away from your first love. We, have, we need to be around one another to provoke one another to love and to good works, right? To stir one another back up. To not let our love for the Lord grow cold or our love for one another to grow cold. But to get stirred back up. So when we understand that in the last days and that we're living in, this is what people live like. We're seeing all, right, all these couple of verses. This is how people live. This is what's going on. But God has called us to be salt and light. God has called us to be lovers of God. You know, Abraham was known as the friend of God. A lot of people are known as servants of God, churchgoers, whatever. But Abraham was known as his friend. Let's turn to Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah 2 is not a very familiar scripture. That's why I want you to read it for yourself. Jeremiah 2, verse 2. The Lord's talking. Go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember concerning you the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals, your following after me in the wilderness through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his harvest. All who ate of it became guilty. Evil came upon them. What he's saying is that people that tried to attack Israel suffered the consequences. Verse 4, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What injustice did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? Isn't that sad? That is so sad to me. The Lord says, I remember how you used to be. You used to really be devoted. You used to really be on fire. You used to be really excited about your relationship with me. You followed after me. Went through dry places together. You were right there with me. You were with me. He says, what injustice did you find in me that made you stop serving me with that kind of passion that made you stop walking after me? You know, how many times have our own hearts grown a little bit cold? You know, not have the same passion, not have the same fire that we used to have. What injustice did we find in the Lord that caused that to happen? You know, I think that a lot of times it's because we had a failed expectation. We thought God was going to come through in a certain way or do a certain thing, and he didn't. And when it didn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen, some part of our heart got offended at the Lord, and we cooled off in our heat. Why did your prayer life drop off? Why did your church attendance drop off? Why did your study drop off? Why did you find yourself a lover of pleasure? How come you got plenty of time to go play all the games in the world, to go shopping all the time, to go do all kinds of things, but you don't have time to spend with God. What happened? What happened inside your heart? 
You know, what injustice did you find? Folks, I'm preaching to myself. I don't want, I want us to go back to our first love. Isn't that what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus? He said, you guys got a lot of things going right, but I got one problem with you. You have left your first love. You see, walked away from remembering the Lord's goodness, forgetting to love him, forgetting that he's the source of everything that's good in our lives, forgetting to even take into account the jasmine, the CDs, the small things that the Lord's doing for us. What injustice do we find? Folks, you and I know that God is just. And whatever has happened in my life or your life that was negative, that was bad, that was not good, God is not the author of destruction in your life. You know that. God's the author of blessing. He's the author of goodness. There are some things He does let us walk through challenges sometimes so that we can, get, we can give Him glory at the end when it, when it turns out right. Doesn't the Bible say, Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I'm telling you, that's not a good valley to be in. That's not a fun place to be. But he says, I'm going to walk through and I'm going to fear no evil in the midst of it. And he says, because your goodness and mercy is going to follow me. If you're in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, just keep moving forward. Remembering the Lord's goodness to you in times past. And let's turn back to our first love. And let's, let's not let life's circumstances and challenges cause our hearts to begin to have in hearts of offense against the Lord. There is no injustice with him. He has been nothing but absolutely faithful and good to us. Absolutely treat us far better than we deserve. The Bible says in 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. You know, God wants to love. God wants us to, be, to, to love him. That's why I think that verse in Jeremiah is so sad. You can just hear his heart. What did I do? Why won't you love me anymore? How come you don't love me like you used to? Do you ever think about the Lord's feelings? Do you ever think about He has a heart? He can feel, and He has a feeling response to our feelings. You have an impact upon His feelings, upon His heart. And we know the Holy Spirit, very tender, right? Very tender. God of such great compassion and depth and sensitivity. How many times have we grieved his heart by being too hard or being too busy or too preoccupied? One day when I was going through strong dealings of the Lord, I was sitting there in the church service and I began to really, I was in a place of really being aware of the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit and how many times that he was just trampled on, just treated terribly, you know, by people. And I was in that place of just being really aware of the Lord about how, how he was like that. And I was sitting there in the congregation and the pastor was preaching. And he's, he's preaching this message. And all of a sudden he says, if we, if we are not giving attention to the word of God, he says, it's just like slapping the Holy Spirit and saying, leave me alone. When he said that, I burst into tears. I started sobbing. It hit my spirit so hard. The feeling of, of shattering that the Holy Spirit must feel when there's this rejection and this stuff that comes from his people. It just hit me so hard. And, of course, everybody in church turned around to look and see what was going on with me. And I'm trying to cover this up and behave and not make any noise and let him get back to his preaching. Don't mind me, you know. <laughs> That's where I was. But I began, you know, I just began to get impacted by how the Lord can be touched by our behavior, by what we're feeling and saying and doing. You know what? You know, little kids, they don't really think about the feelings of their parents. You know, they, they really don't, you know. When did you first start to care about your parents' feelings? Probably not until you were a teenager. You had your moments when you were 8, 9, 10, whatever. You had your moments. But probably you didn't begin to see them as real people who had real feelings, who had their own struggles, their own challenges, until you got a little older yourself. Isn't that right? 
Folks, it's time to grow up and begin to see Father God as a person who wants to be loved, who wants to be appreciated, who wants to be remembered. The scripture says in Ephesians 3, it's very familiar, you don't have to turn there. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit, the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Remember all these commandments from the Lord are for our good. He wants us to be so settled and grounded in His love, to know His love and to believe His love, then we'll be able to love Him back. We love Him because He first loves us. To receive it, to walk in it, to know in it, to give it back to Him. We're going to take a few moments. Would everybody please close your Bibles and notebooks? And we're going to take a few minutes to spend with the Lord. In John 21, John 21, 15 to 17. If you would close your eyes and just think about this. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Let's begin to remember. Begin to remember the loving kindness of the Lord to you. How has he demonstrated his love for you over the years? Prayers he's answered. Blessings, surprises, favor, healings, provision, answers, protection, deliverance. What has the Lord done for you? As you sit and remember, let appreciation begin to rise out of your heart and gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Merciful God, thank you. Thank you, you have always been there for me. with sincerity in your heart. Let him know that you appreciate him. Let him know that you're thankful. He's been so good. He's been so good. We were faithless, but he is faithful. As you sit and you think about the Lord's goodness with appreciation and gratitude. With the eyes of your heart, 
begin to look at the Lord. What kind of God is this? What kind of love is this? Who are you, Lord, that you should be so kind? Begin to focus upon him. Remember him. I will extol you, O God, O King. And I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness, and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom, and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love him but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. We remember you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Stir our hearts, O God, to be filled with passion for you, for you alone.
Lord, let us be known as lovers of God. Let this be our reputation that we are lovers of God. Forgive us our sin. Cleanse us, God, from all unrighteousness. Renew us and refresh us, please. From you come perseverance and encouragement. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15858, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.